0: Welcome to The Eon Project with Mike and Jay. The following is a past interview conducted in June of 2009 with author, public speaker, and paranormal investigator Jeff Belanger. Mr. Belanger is known for such literary works as Weird Massachusetts, The Mysteries of the Bermuda Triangle, and Who's Haunting the White House, as well as being on such television shows as New England Legends and Ghost Adventures. You can find out more about Mr. Belanger at his website, which is jeffbelanger.com. And just remember the truth exists. Believe it. Live from the WNRI studios, perched high atop the banks of the majestic Peters River. Greetings from the jewel of the Blackstone Valley, Winsocket, Rhode Island. Welcome to the darker side
1: with Mike and Jay. We are, Mike and Jay, your tour guides through the nether regions of the human experience. Well, that was, uh, was pretty deep. Sounds pretty filthy to me. Sounds good. What's good. Going, what's, on, what's in your mind right now, Mike? Oh, tons of stuff. You know, the uh, the recent weather pattern has really put me in a funk. Is this
0: October or June?
1: I don't know, but uh, the it seems like the rising tide or the rising waters of the Peters River have started to draw some of the uh, vermin out. I was actually, uh, I was actually sad to say, uh, accosted by a sewer rat on the way in today to the studio, um, Rather ornery, he did steal my wallet. Actually, did you hear the, uh, the story about the 27-pound uh, the Fisher cat that attacked somebody? I didn't, but that's Fisher cats scare me, man. That's like a mutant-sized Fisher cat. I didn't even know what a Fisher cat was until probably a few months ago. Now you do. Now I do, and I saw one, and it scared the living daylights out of me. So anyway, we, uh, we, we certainly appreciate uh, anybody who's
0: listening out there today. What do you mean, anybody? Actually, there's probably more people listening today because of our special guest. We're very excited today, yes. That, that is correct. Uh, so we do appreciate your listenership. Uh, so if and that any, is a word, if there's any other new listeners out there, please feel free to continue to tune in and uh, welcome in the uh, welcome and welcome to the subsequent uh, to the subsequent weeks yes. ahead. Weeks ahead. So this show is like, this is what I like to say? It's like a nice warm beer on a cold day, truly
1: refreshing. Warm beer on a cold day. On a cold day. Yes. Our topic last week was vampires. We got a lot of good good. Uh, uh, feedback from the show. We had some, some uh, experts in the field call in, mm-hmm. and it uh, was a really, really good time had by all. It was a uh,
0: it was a good show. Uh, you know, we talked about some uh, mythical-type vampires as well as some uh, real-life individuals who like to prey on the blood of others. Yeah, and they weren't very nice either. They weren't nice. They were not nice at all. I would not want to be friends with them. Although, if you were friends no, with them... No, that me, would probably be a good position to yeah, be it in. It would be good be- yeah. uh, because, uh, you know... You're safe. Y- you're pretty safe. Yeah. But uh, who knows? They might they might prey on the, uh, on the blood of... Uh, you know the innocence, so to speak. Hmm.
1: Anyway. Well, if you were friends with them, you probably weren't innocent to begin with. That is correct. You know, sad news, if I may. Go ahead. Uh, Billy Mays, the the pitch man. Yes. Is, uh, had passed away today or last night or in the, in the last twenty four hours. Maybe uh, maybe a mo- moment of silence. Is no, right? actually, I was. You know, I I was a big fan of Billy Mays. Who else is going to talk me into buying Mighty Putty at three a.m. Is it going to be anyone else?
0: All you got to do is, is is mash the matty, uh, muddy putty together. That is and, some magic.
1: Uh, that's some Q stuff from James Bond. Turns to uh, turns to cement on you. All it needs to do is explode, and then you have the perfect James Bond weapon. Mm-hmm. So so rest in peace, Billy Mays. That that is that is right. So anyway, uh, just we'll let you know who our special guest is for the evening, if I may. You may.
0: Uh, actually, our, our special guest. His name is uh, Mr. Jeff uh, Belanger. And uh, we're going to be getting to him in just a moment. But I think what I'll do is uh, I'll give out the call numbers here. Please do. If anybody has a question or comment for uh, Mr. Belanger, I'm sure he'd be more than happy to uh, to answer your calls. Uh, the numbers here are 766-1380, 769-0600. Or if you're outside the area, you can call us toll-free, which is the way to go. Completely free. one 800
1: 949 9674. And we do have probably a few listeners from outside the area, so please utilize those numbers. You can also contact us during the show via email at mike at com. as I am constantly clicking through and checking my inbox. Yeah, you might, you might hear the uh, the click, click the clicking on occasion. I'm a habitual clicker. He's quite the clicker. Thank so anyway, you. I think we're going
0: to get to our, our special guest this evening. Let us do so. I'm going to give a little background on Jeff before we get to him. Uh, Jeff Belanger has been fascinated with the uh, unexplained since age 10, which is... Uh, Going, it's a good way, age. going way back, I'm isn't sure. that a nice
1: age? How 10. old is he? Do you know? No, we can ask him though.
0: He's probably roughly our age, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> roughly, I would say. Uh, so that's when he conducted his first paranormal investigation. Uh, Jeff graduated from Hofstra University with a BA in English. Ooh, which uh, I enjoyed English. Yeah can't say I, I, I get great I got great grades in the class, but... Uh, English was always a good teacher. I class. did have some good teachers. Mm. Anyway, he has uh, written nine books. I believe it's nine. If that's wrong, he can correct me. He will yell at you, I'm sure. Uh, he's written books on the paranormal and other unexplained uh, topics. Uh, in 1999, he founded ghostvillage.com, which is a tremendous website, I might add. It is. It's very, very entertaining. It's, uh, it's got a, quite a collection of different things on it. Uh, in addition, Jeff has appeared on the History Channel. The Travel Channel, and I think most importantly, The Maury Show.
1: Maury. You know, I saw Maury in his list of uh, accomplishments, and I was impressed with Maury. I, I'd like to meet Maury. He seems like a cool dude. Speaking of Maury, is he, is he still married to that Connie Chung? Connie Chung, yeah. Well,
0: I believe so. What a great couple they are, huh? Yeah. They've been together a lot of years. Long time. So we're certainly honored to have uh, on with Jeff on with us tonight. So without further ado, I think we're going to uh, bring Mr. Belanger on. Let's see if he's on the line here. Hello, Jeff. Hey. How you doing, sir? Great.
1: How you doing tonight, all right?
2: Doing great, how are you? Pretty you, good, pretty you,
1: good. You are on the air, sir.
2: Oh, all right, see, there was like a delay. There I was a delay.
1: You know, I, I was going to warn you about the delay, but oh, I figured a, a professional such as yourself would probably understand that there was a delay. We have a lot of weirdos, who, I mean, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, listeners who call into the show. So, Very good. Uh, we need to have so a delay. if I start
2: swearing profusely, you'll have plenty of time. We have to, a dump uh, button. We, have, great.
1: We, ha- we haven't had to use it yet, so hopefully uh, we, oh. can, we can keep that going.
2: Well, we'll break all kinds of new ground tonight. Outstanding. Well, well
1: welcome to the Darker Side Show, Jeff.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on. Great to be with you guys, and uh, yeah, definitely. You know, the king is gone. Um, what a blow to the world, really.
1: <laughs> what a blow to uh, infomercials everywhere. That's right.
2: Oh. I know. Uh, I poured some OxyClean out for my dead homie uh, today, <laughs> and it got the blood stain right up, which was awesome. Yeah. So, I'll tell uh,
0: you, one of the uh, one of the the, the objects I've uh, or items I've seen him trying to sell on that pitchmen show is something called the dual saw, mm. which is an amazing kind of uh, device. If you ever get a chance to look the at dual it, saw. if you're into home improvement, you, you should ha- you should have it.
2: Really? Yeah, huh? yeah. No, no. It's uh, it's quite, quite a, quite a week for death.
1: Yeah, no kidding, right?
2: Which is good. Keeps us busy and employed, and uh, some and stuff to talk about.
1: Well, it. right, and maybe one of our future episodes we will have uh, somebody who can, in, you know, get in touch with the the next world, get a hold of Billy Mays, and see what kind of products they have over there.
2: That's right. Channel him. Yeah, that would be really interesting. Let me know how that goes.
1: <laughs> well, speaking of strange and
0: unusual, uh, the night I found out that you were going to be uh, that you would confirm to be a guest, Jeff, I had a a bizarre dream that you played a key role in. But uh, I'll just leave it at that. I don't know that. if we want to get into that. Excellent. I'll leave it at that good. for now, but if you want to want more information on that, I'll talk to you off the air. No, no,
2: I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. No, thank you for, for sharing your homoerotic thoughts with me. I appreciate it. And, uh, it's all good. Hey, whatever you're into.
1: There we go. Well, Jeff, we have a very strong presence of listeners in the, uh, in the northern Rhode Island, southern Mass area, and obviously you have some ties to that area.
2: Yeah, yeah, I live right close by, right in uh, the the listenership area which is great. I've been here since uh, 2002 and um it's it's been my home. It's it's a great area. I was born in Massachusetts, but I, I lived all over and came back in in 2002 and uh so I feel like I have some perspective on on the people here and on the region, but uh, you know, I was born a New Englander, I'm pretty sure I'll die a New Englander. So
0: you couldn't Maybe. you couldn't stay away, right? You had to come back.
2: Yeah, you know when you're like a Pats fan and a Red Sox fan, there's only so far you can go before mm. it, you know it starts to hurt.
1: Mhm. It must be this recent weather that really drew you back. Yeah, right.
2: You know, I it's just I, I love the uh, the endless cloudy days and the cold weather. Uh it's just I'm that kind of guy. You know, cuz when when you're into this dark subject, you you kind of need you need a setting. You need the stage set.
0: And, yeah, it's
1: uh, not really scary when it's sunny out.
2: No, not at all. People in Florida must not be into ghosts at all. <laughs>
0: All Which right. is ironic because they send all the old people down there to die. Right. That's right. That's hmm. right. And then but they come spirit, back to haunt where they are. Their spirits
1: were from. remain here. Yes. Yeah, of yes. course.
0: So, Jeff, why don't you give us a little uh, background on how you got started in, this, in the paranormal field? I know you said you, you, your first investigation was around age 10, but um, so where, where did you go from there?
2: Well, I I, I was interested my whole life. I grew up with Ed and Lorraine Warren as well. They lived in the next town over from me in Connecticut. And uh, so I've known them since I was about 10 or 12 years old. And so I'm sure that had an influence. But what really got me started was uh, writing in in college. And and right after college, I was working for newspapers and magazines. And around October, you know, you go looking for these kinds of stories. You go looking for haunted interests, uh, haunted places. And I got completely moved by not just researching the history and the background on these places and finding out that sometimes the facts really do back up some of the ghostly encounters and ghost sightings but when you interview a lot of people you start to get a feel for who's crazy delusional full of it and who's really been rocked by something profound and Mm -hmm. that's what got me hooked uh, was was doing that and then uh, a few years later i after graduating college and working for a newspaper for a little while i i wanted to learn html so i started ghost village back in 1999 and it was just a few web pages with some articles i had written for some newspapers and uh that's really what got me going 10 years ago now mm-hmm. that that the site got started and you know it was just what was six pages is now over 40,000 pages of content and Yikes. people from all over the world yeah oh. it's it's grown into something huge and and is a, you know kind of the centerpiece of almost everything that I do now, and uh you know so it's it's a really cool community
1: so that's an area where people can go to, to uh post their own stories theories, ideas things of that sort
2: yeah that's the, from the start, the whole idea was you know let's let's look at this subject from all sides because you know i I never claimed to have any of the answers in fact i I don't think I have any uh, <laughs> at all <laughs> you know Join I, the I, I thought i I thought I had some ideas early on, and then uh, the more I learned, the less I knew, and that kind of thing. But but you realize, too, that I also thought this was a simple subject, that it would would get exhausted, that there are ghosts in haunted places. But you realize, the more you look into this, there's so many avenues and offshoots, and you know, it it just, it branches out exponentially from from ghosts. And what's great about it, too, is that ghosts are kind of like the least common denominator of spirituality. It's it's this thing that we can all talk about. I mean, if you put everyone in a room and you start talking about religion, there's going to be a fight. You know, someone's going to get punched. Right. But we can talk about ghosts, it's a, it's a little more safe to talk about, because, well, we're not sure, are they real, are they not real, are they, you know, are, are they, are they are they, made up, are they, whatever, and so that's, it allows us to talk about death, to talk about our own inevitable future, it's a direct tie to our past, uh, it all centers around there. And then, of course, you get into other aspects of the paranormal, because one person's ghost is another person's demon, is another person's alien from space, mm-hmm. and, right. Bigfoot and and whatever else you know you, you believe in and and you've you know you, you believe you're perceiving
1: Now would be a good time to ask what do you think of the recent emergence of the paranormal as some somewhat of a media phenomenon you know there's lots of shows on television radio such like our great show that we have here uh, but other other media outlets that that are having paranormal as kind of a theme what do you think of that as, as a recent phenomenon
2: yeah it's it's a trend that started uh back in eighteen forty eight Truly, uh, truly, it, it started with the birth of the spiritualist movement with the Fox sisters in Hydesville, New York, in, in 1848, and I do believe that it might—that might have died out as kind of a, a fruity fad. Uh, no offense to our spiritualist friends, but I just think that, uh, you know, the perceptions of the time—it might have gone away, except for the U.S. Civil War started in the 1860s, and you had tens of thousands of people dying needlessly and people reaching out for answers. They wanted to get in touch with their fallen father, brother, son, kin, you know, whatever. And they weren't getting those answers at their local church or synagogue or mosque or, or house of worship. And so there were these mediums saying, I can channel, I can get in touch with your, you know, your, your brother who died at Gettysburg or Vicksburg or wherever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so spiritualism exploded. And, you know, there's all these byproducts that came of that movement. Spirit photography, um, the Ouija board, the, um, you know, or talking board by the generic name, uh, even you know EVP, instrumental transcommunication, psychical research, all that stuff. And if you look back in history, you see that it's always come and gone in waves. And then after the 1860s, you know, it kind of mellowed a bit. But then World War One, it got a huge boost again. World War Two, even bigger. Um, you know, Ouija boards were all the rage; they were pop culture. And then uh, you know, it dies down again in the 50s, late 60s. It starts again with Vietnam. Anytime there's turmoil in the world people turn to this stuff. Uh, And you've got something else happening, especially in the last 50, 60 years. People are no longer going to large religious institutions like they once were. The giant giant religions are losing numbers, and yet people claim to be more spiritual. The belief in ghosts has has risen, if you believe the Gallup polls and and other polling organizations that that take these polls every few years. So you've got 9-11 putting the world into a, a constant state of turmoil bad economy, less people going to church. I believe that spirituality is a basic human need, just like food and shelter. And since nature abhors a vacuum, if you don't get your spirituality at church on the weekends, you're going to get it somewhere else. And I realized that years ago when I was in the middle of a cemetery with a paranormal research group, and they're all walking around with EMF meters and dousing rods and crystals (laughs) and the psychic and cameras and audio recorders. And I went, Oh, my God! These guys are a church this is, <laughs> it's, no that's what I'm serious.
0: Did you guys they, get there on the short bus <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but I, I realize these folks are they're no. they're trying to wrap their hands around something. This was church for them. this was right. spirituality, and this is how they,
1: they this is how they make sense of of their spiritual world
2: exactly and it's not any more weird than you know watching a guy ring a bell and break a piece of bread and pass it around or you know, read from the Torah or whatever. I mean, it's, it's just different, and it works for that individual, except it's easier if you belong to a large religious institution because you have a huge support system there. Right. Ghost hunters can't agree on anything. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> that seems to be the case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so do you think that the, the emergence of the Internet as a, as, as in social networking and, and the relative anonymity of the Internet uh, allows people to share uh, ghost stories or some personal experiences they wouldn't normally have been able to do so in the past?
2: Well, the Internet has definitely sped up the process of, of folklore and legend. So, you know, 20 years ago even, 15 years ago, uh, someone would have this ghost experience and they would share it with one or two people who they kn- knew and trusted. And they would say, you know, I just, wow, I, I'm, I'm freaked out. My grandma died two weeks ago, but there she was in our kitchen. You know, just I just had this powerful experience. And, you know, that story may spread very slowly, you know, or I just had this encounter at this building that I, I've heard is haunted and, you know it's again one of those things that just wouldn't go that fast but now huh, sorry about that someone's floor. ringing <laughs> I, I
0: could be from beyond the grave it could i'm not be. sure They should call here if they have a question actually
2: <laughs> <laughs> hold on you're on the air <laughs> uh, <laughs> um but uh but yeah so you've got you've got this process that's been so sped up now by the internet and people can go in and i can tell you from my own experience with ghost village uh you know people people i most of the emails we get are to the tune of I thought I was the only one who had this experience. Right. I just read so and so 's encounter about you know the black figure or the warm feeling or the smell of roses or whatever you name the phenomena. I thought I was the only one who went through that, and they realized that uh, they 're not alone and then they share their story and it grows so it 's definitely sped things up, which I think is great and it 's moved this it, the internet and you know the the current turmoil in the world has moved the subject boldly into the mainstream. Uh, but you know, I can just say I was into it before it was cool. Yeah.
0: All right. Damn Jim. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeff, this is uh, this is Jason here. Um, since you've been uh, investigating and researching and writing about these things for many years now, um, wh- so what, what what is your personal belief on some of these things that that you encounter?
2: I think we're all crazy.
0: Oh. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm not the only one.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. I think. Uh, oh man, there's there's. I, I think I've I'm I'm down to about ten theories okay. as to what what ghosts are and. Uh, not to get that's too it. heavy in... That's Yeah, just ten. But that that's, that list will grow. I mean, it used to be three or four or whatever. And everything from maybe it's something residual, some imprint left on a location that some people are able to tune into. Uh, if you look at quantum physics that suggests time is not necessarily linear, mm-hmm. that could explain so many ghost sightings. Maybe what you're seeing is a brief moment in the past, and, and we don't know why you're able to see it or at that moment at that place, but you did, um, to... Discarnate soul, like literally, someone's still hanging around and interactive and intelligent and uh, is aware and isn't that interesting? And if you look at all the, I mean, God, I've interviewed well over a thousand people now who've had a a ghost encounter for books, for the website, for you name it, and I have not found one one category that everything neatly falls into. It's just not there. Mm -hmm. Some people are mistaken. Some people are delusional. Some people, I think. Uh, you know, have a psychological or neurological disorder. Other people uh, just want to see something so badly that they interpret a totally mundane phenomenon like a breeze blowing a curtain as Grandpa just walked by. Right. Uh, you, you know, these kinds of things. Um, so, there's, or, I mean, maybe, wow, you know, maybe it, it's a projection of, of someone's consciousness. Maybe someone in the room doesn't isn't even aware that they just put something into the environment. Willed it into being somehow, even to the point where other people can see this thing, and and it's their grandpa. They they miss him so much, and he died, you know, two months ago or whatever. So there's so many theories. There's not one size fits all. But I'm I'm proud to say I freely admit I believe in ghosts. I'm sure they're real. Now what they are, that I don't know, and that I'll probably be looking into the rest of my life.
1: Well, isn't that what makes this such a great field to to be a part of? Is is that that there are no absolute truths, and and the 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 truth is still out there uh, to be discovered, and anyone anyone can participate in the hunt absolutely
2: and and that and and that is the good part of it the, the bad part is that of course we've got no central <laughs> central governing body we've got no uh, rules of engagement. So uh, while it's wonderful that everyone can participate, uh, that's all. That's that's also a downside as well. Right. You know, you've got people that are, uh, you know, and I have no problem with anyone running into a, a cemetery. You know, being respectful with permission and all that. But but once you start dealing with families that are, you know, in private homes and and going through something, you know, then it, it, your weekend hobby. <laughs> you know, you, you really want to start being careful because then then you you could be. Uh, I, for, let me put it this way I don't feel qualified to deal with right. individual you know w- when I get called up into those things I bring in psychologists
1: well Jeff we're uh, up against the break if, if you wouldn't mind hanging yeah. on uh, we're, we're, our guest is Jeff Belanger and we're, we're going to be discussing his book Weird Massachusetts so stay tuned
3: Located inside the Sheer Odyssey Beauty Salon at 311 Cass Avenue in Woonsocket, you can find Linda Baptista. Linda has been a beautician for over 40 years. 30 of those years were spent as the owner-operator of the former Linda's Beauty Salon. Linda specializes in firms, coloring, and styling. She also offers roller sets and blow drying. Whatever your hairstyling needs, you are welcome to sit in Linda's chair. You can expect a welcoming atmosphere and an overall pleasant styling experience. Old and new clientele are always welcome. Linda is available Wednesday through Saturday at 311 Cass Avenue in Winsocket. Call 762-2953 for an appointment. That's 762-2953. Linda looks forward to hearing from you.
1: are you tired of eating frozen cakes from those big chain stores are you tired of seeing the same designs in your cakes year after year you need to contact original occasions by becky boule so you can have an original cake for your original occasion becky specializes in creating unique cakes that are tailored for your specific event her cakes are freshly baked never frozen and her frosting has an incredibly sweet taste of its own with over seven years of experience becky also creates chocolates and favors that will give your special event that one-of-a-kind touch She also offers classes in cake decorating for both adults and children. To begin planning your original occasion or learning more about taking a class, contact Becky Boulay at 508-928-1228. That's 508-928-1228. Or email at originaloccasions at hotmail.com. Becky looks forward to making your next special event special and most importantly, original. Time ago, me and my brother Kyle here. We was hitchhiking down a long and lonesome road. Welcome back to the darker side with Mike and Jay. And uh, for those of you who have been listening, there were some technical difficulties during the break, and I think you could probably hear us. So if we swore or were inappropriate, I apologize. Yes, we we certainly apologize. We have problems working anything that's you know electronic. Well, the board
0: here is I think was constructed in 1947. It is pretty old.
1: There's some vacuum tubes back here. And uh, it's it's tough to manipulate. Yeah, you
0: you have to be certainly very careful when operating the board here.
1: Well, our guest today is Jeff Ballanger, if you go with the French. Yes. Right. And uh, and Jeff is the author of many books, A Local Boy Made Good. Well, not really local. He's from Connecticut, but that's okay. Right. I was uh,
2: born in Massachusetts. Oh, I'm, I'm
1: sorry. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, let's give out the call numbers. If you want to talk to Jeff or uh, have a comment or a question, you can reach us at 766-1380. Seven six nine zero six hundred or toll free at one eight hundred nine four nine nine six seven four.
0: Jeff, I don't know if you could uh, if you could hear the commercials there or not, but uh, we do have a commercial for uh, for Linda's hair styling. I don't know if you need a, a new hair a hairstylist or uh, anybody that could do your hair, but uh, she's willing to uh, cut a man's hair if you're interested. Nice. I, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I notice that you take very good care of your of your hair, and uh, as do I. And uh, <laughs> so, if you're interested, let me know, and I'll hook you up.
1: Thanks. Appreciate. Actually, Jeff, during the break, we had a question from a caller. Uh, actually, an email from a caller. May I, may I uh, share it with you? Okay. <laughs> I was asking permission. <laughs> yes, of course you can. Oh, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> we have a, a listener. Hold on, I'm opening it. I apologize. Again, electronic in nature. No, no
2: problem. Uh, I, no. We had any, any questions are welcome. I, uh, yeah. I, of course, reserve the right to plead the fifth.
1: Please. We had a, a question from a listener by the name of Rebecca. And Rebecca wanted to know if if you had any experience with anyone who has claimed a paranormal experience... From a an unborn baby in the womb, whereas a mother experienced a uh, a baby reacting to something paranormal.
2: I plead the fifth. Wow! So, so you have a fetus reacting to paranormal phenomena? That's the question. That that's the question. Mm. That's the
1: question. Rebecca sounds out there. That's
2: a that's a good question. I I don't I can't say I ever came across anything like that.
1: That's Uh, very interesting.
2: No, I I mean I've certainly heard of pets in the paranormal, babies in the paranormal, even. Parents who lost infants in, in childbirth who claim that the the spirit of the baby is around, but no, not that.
1: Well, I'm that's sorry. a new one for you. And, uh, and it's a new one. I haven't heard that. Mark that on your calendar as today being the day that you heard about that.
2: I, I yeah, no, I, I don't know anything about that. Uh,
1: well, Rebecca. Well, well, I mean, well,
2: here's the. I mean, not to not to get too you know medical on people, but. Uh, the mother and the child are one uh, when, when, the, when the fetus is in the womb. So, uh, for example, if you get frightened, you, the fetus will kick. I remember when my wife was pregnant and, you know, she jumped at something and all of a sudden, you know, our, our daughter was in her stomach just kicking around and everything because the adrenaline moving through the, the mother would, of course, course through uh, the, the fetus. That's That's a normal physiological reaction. So if the mother is experiencing something, I, I, would have, I, I wouldn't see why the fetus wouldn't also be experiencing whatever uh, emotions you know, being passed through, be it fear or uh, concern or, or you know, something more emotional.
1: So you do have a theory. You lied. I have a theory, but I've never heard it. <laughs> you, I'm, just,
2: I'm just going with uh, basic uh, you know, experience in, in human physiology, though. You,
0: you pulled that one out. That was a good one. Yeah, that one. was a good one. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I like thanks. that. Terrific. So maybe we should forget- pretty good, didn't Yeah, it really it? did. It's <laughs> all like you knew you were yeah. talking about there for a minute. So awesome. Jeff,
0: Jeff I'm actually kinda <laughs> interested in um you know, you've written a number of books. And did I get it right? Was it is it nine? Are you up to nine now or? Uh
2: Yeah, nine, and a, I'll have uh, three more out by next fall. Wow, you're See, busy.
0: That's impressive to me because, uh, you know, I've, I, have, I love the idea of writing a book, and I've actually sat down a couple times on different occasions and, and, uh, and tried to write a book. But I have, I have the uh, attention span of a Brazilian fruit fly, so it's right. tough for me to sit down. I get, pat, I get to, like, the second page, and then, and then that's it. So, I don't know, do you have any advice for a person such as myself or somebody who's interested in, in writing a book on, on a certain topic?
2: Well, the world needs ditch diggers too. Hey, <laughs> yeah, easy. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> no, he doesn't no, want any no. competition for for that type <laughs> of uh, literature. No, you know what? I th- I think a great analogy is it's like running. You know, uh, if if anyone out there is not a runner and you go and attempt to run just a mile, that mile is going to hurt every step of it. is is going to hurt. But when you when you make it a, a habit, when you start running three four times a week. Uh, and you're able to do one mile. One mile suddenly is nothing. Two miles might hurt or three or four. And you just build up and you get better at it. Writing's the same way. you got to do it all the time. And in the mm-hmm. beginning, it hurts. But you also need a roadmap, especially if you're writing nonfiction. Uh, if you're writing about a subject, you need to know where you're going. And I mean, I, I wanted to be a writer since I was pretty much like 16. So I've been working at it. I wrote newspaper articles, hundreds of them. I wrote, you know, web articles. I wrote for magazines. I wrote for television. I wrote for everything, all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I was always using that muscle. So it's kind of like saying I've been a runner since I was 16. So doing marathons now is not a big deal. Um, Right you know, it's the same kind of thing, but, but you got to get on that road. So even if you haven't been running since you were 16, today's the second best day to start. Uh, you know, so get on it and and write every day, make it a habit, know where you're going and, and and get yourself there, but be engaging. I mean, there's, uh, for me, I I can't write about something until I understand it. And so I do a lot of research and I feel like I'm not that bright. Mm -hmm. So once I can distill it down to the point where even I get it, then I can put it on paper and I can, I can, you know, explain it to someone else. And once I figure out where the beginning, middle, and end of that story is, um, then I can somehow try to tackle it on paper.
0: So I should probably just quit while I'm ahead, Yeah, that's probably a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah, um, have you thought about music? No, he's not good at that, either. Hey, easy. (laughs) We have enough problems at this Uh, show.
0: Speaking of music, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, The intro music, actually, is written and performed by me. That's correct, Uh, it is. Nice. It's very well done, I believe. So uh, music is my thing, actually. It is. I'm I'm full of it, yes. But I don't sing karaoke. No. No, yeah,
2: you, thank God. That's the lowest it. form of the art, of course. Well, I've, I've
0: tried, I've tried, but not not very well. So I've just quit. Actually, I've stopped, mm-hmm. stopped all. The no, world. that's
2: great. No, I've been I've been into music since. I mean, I've been playing guitar since I was twelve. And yep. in fact, uh, about every Christmas, I put out some kind of haunted Christmas, some kind of weird Christmas carol. Last year, it was my Christmas tree was haunted. And oh,
4: uh, wow!
2: Fortunately, I have very talented friends and family. And uh, <laughs> when it comes to, when when Christmas rolls around, send me an email. You guys are free to play it. Terrific! Great, that sounds great. Great blues number. Awesome.
1: Well, uh, actually, we, we would like to get on uh, part the part of the topic that we asked you to come on was to speak about your book, Weird Massachusetts, and we'd like to do that if if you were willing. Sure, of course. Um, obviously, we're, we'd be interested in, in that book. Uh, actually, I've read several of your books at this point, but Weird Massachusetts is, strikes home for, for many people in this area because we live in or near Massachusetts. So um, when, when exactly did your book come out? It's fairly recent.
2: Yeah, it was actually last year. It was May 2008. So. May 2008 a little over a year, yeah.
1: How long did it take you to write Weird Massachusetts?
2: It was the better part of 2007. Um, you know, I, I worked on a few other things, but that was my main job for 2007, and it was, uh, it was so much fun, because most of my books up to that point had been about places all over the world, um, you know, subjects that are national and international. And so I, I think I fell into that trap of always assuming that the really cool places were somewhere else. And then you forget that Massachusetts is somewhere else for an awful lot of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I just kind of turned my attention inward, and, uh, you know, I've got a lot of weird paranormal friends all around. It's amazing how fast the network grows. Once you start calling and you say, hey, I'm looking into this, uh, you know, I'm looking into the paranormal and and weird things here in the state, and, you know, someone says, like, oh, you know about the the monster of Coca-Cola Ledge? (laughs) And you go, what?
1: (laughs) Wait, what is it? Yeah, that was a new Uh, one on me.
2: Isn't that great? Yeah. Uh, North Adams, Massachusetts, the western part of the state, you know, I've got a friend out there who's a paranormal researcher, and he said, oh yeah, this Coca-Cola ledge, this cliff that overlooks North Adams, had the Coca-Cola logo painted on it for years, like a billboard, um, But uh, and so they called it Coca-Cola ledge, and there was, there was a legend around town that there's a monster, by all accounts, a Bigfoot creature, you know, big hairy ape-like creature that lurks up there and you told kids don't go near it. And I always wondered, is it was it a security system? You know, you told your kids don't right. go up there, the monster will get you, because if, if you fell off that cliff, you're finished. It's, it's tall enough that, you know, there's no way you'd survive that fall. And it's easy to get to. I mean, it's got sloping sides on either side, so you can gently walk up the side and you're at the, the top of the cliff. And so I, I always wondered about that. But then there have been Bigfoot sightings out in that part of the state. So,
1: And that's another that's one of those topics, Bigfoot, where uh, the casual uh, reader or, or researcher probably thinks of Bigfoot and they think of the Pacific Northwest or the skunk ape in Florida, but they really don't think about New England.
2: No, no, but we've got, we've had plenty of sightings. Not as many, of course, as those other regions, but, but we've had sightings uh, across the state. I even talked to, it, it talk about weird luck, you know, I was, uh, my, my car broke down during the middle of writing this book and a tow truck driver picked me up. It was on 495 and, uh, we just started talking and he had mentioned he was Native American and, and uh, i i I don't know how how it happened but pretty quickly the subject of bigfoot came up and he told me a legend that i don't i don't know any of any bigfoot researcher who had heard about it but uh, he called it big harry of cedar swamp and cedar swamp is right near where the mass pike and 495 intersect Mm -hmm. so not too far from from where you guys are right right now right and so uh you know described the bigfoot creature and, and described the smell the sound he saw this thing um, so, and that's that's fairly close. <laughs> yeah. you know, the, uh, Actually, and think, of course, cu- oh, in the, the Berkshires too. Um, there's been
1: sightings. I, I was going to say, ahead. I thought there was a there was a Hilton bar by that intersection where I believe I met that that uh, Bigfoot <laughs> once. And uh, that was a close encounter. It was, was it? it was. It was. It was. You know, last call. It was a nightmare. Yeah. Oh, wait, in know. any case, we'll move on. You get desperate. Yeah, we, we've all been there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when the lights come on, though, everything changes. Everything though, changes.
1: It? Absolutely. Oh, wow. Anyway, um,
0: Jeff, when you when you especially with weird Massachusetts, do you get a chance to to visit all these places you write about, or do you try to get to as many as you can, or how does that work? I went to most
2: of them. Um, you know, it, that's what's great too is that it is a fairly big state, and I can tell you, having driven from Provincetown to the Berkshires, it, it's it's a pretty pretty good ride. But at the same time, yeah, I mean I've been to every corner. Um, didn't visit. All of them, but, God, probably 80%. And the mm-hmm. others were might be uh, accounts written by other people, and, and there's bylines in the book if I didn't write it, uh, or, um, you know, firsthand accounts sent in by folks, people who had UFO encounters, Bigfoot encounters, ghost sightings, uh, or just had a, a nugget of really weird history. Like, you know, the first documented UFO sighting was in Massachusetts. It was in the 1630s. Uh, Who'd have thought? You know, the, the, and it was just so matter of fact. You, you wish, you wish all the paranormal accounts would be written this way. Just, hey, credible person saw this light in the sky for three hours, moving back and forth. Uh, they noticed that their their boat that was on a river hadn't moved, even though the, it should have been carried, you know, with the current. And that was that. That's all they had to say about it. No further speculation, which is great because mm-hmm. all you can do is speculate after the, right. the facts are. The witness saw something and can describe it as best as best they can you know this is what it looked like this is what it did this is how it behaved this is when where who why and all that other stuff but then once you get beyond that we want answers so badly that i think we all we're all prone to speculation well it came from this planet it was an alien it was swamp gas it was this we all need some kind of conclusion to that story and the reality is in in the paranormal you often don't get that conclusion but it doesn't stop us from trying
1: well, those of you who have not uh, picked up a copy of the book yet, it's uh, weird. Masters, would you consider this to be a coffee table book, Jeff? Because it, it's fairly hefty; it has a heft to it. Yes,
2: it, it is a coffee table book. However, I've, most of the the people who have written to me who have read it, I think they tend to keep it closer to the toilet. You
1: know, that's actually you're, you're jumping ahead. You're going to steal my thunder. I have a Sorry. joke about that later. Okay, so, so we'll, we'll reserve that. But no, it is. I'll zip it. It's a very uh, it's a very visually appealing book. It's very easy to read. It's got tons of illustrations. And one of the questions I had for you is. Did you, by hand, draw all of these illustrations? Because if so, you are a talented individual.
2: <laughs> I did not. No. Thank you, though, for uh, thinking I might have. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, the, uh, the, the the company that put that together, uh, Sterling, who published it, um, it, this is all the brainchild of, of two guys, Mark Moran and Mark Skierman, who started a, a little photocopied zine like 12 years ago in mm-hmm. New Jersey called Weird NJ. And that grew into an actual magazine, and the magazine grew into a national book called Weird U.S. that I also contributed to, which turned into a TV show on the History Channel called Weird U.S. Right, name. right. And and then all these, these state books have spun off of that. And so I contributed to their Weird Hauntings book, their Weird Hauntings 2 book, which may or may not ever come out, uh, their Weird U.S. book. And then they called me and they said, hey, dude, you're in Massachusetts. You want to do the Massachusetts book? And I was like, yeah. Okay. And that, it was the easiest way I ever got a job.
1: That's a great job interview right there.
2: <laughs> it, that was that was pretty much the whole interview, and uh, <laughs> and then I was off to the races. So it was it was a great thing, and uh, and it, it was just it was so much fun too. Because one of the, one of my concerns is that I would forever be the ghost guy, mm-hmm. um, and I love that subject and always will, and will never you know never abandon it. But at the same time, there's so many other things that interest me. Uh, that are quirky, offbeat, and on the fringe, and weird mass allowed me to, to kind of branch
1: out into that other stuff a little more.
0: Do you think they might be interested in a weird Rhode Island book? Because I think we've got uh, two guys
1: here that are right for the job. There you go. <laughs> and not to put you on the spot at all.
2: Uh, I don't know. I really don't. I mean, seriously, uh, I'll let you know if they call asking, but um, I know a lot of it, it, it's it's funny. It just comes down to numbers with yeah. the book, you know, just like there probably won't be a weird Montana
4: no, um, <laughs>
2: it's just that, that there's not a population
0: base to support it. But you never know. It, we, is, not, it is weird, Montana. Well, it is probably. It is. We, we just that, had... that's, It was a postcard. It wasn't a book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we had another listener question. Somebody wrote in and asked, "Did you find one area of Massachusetts to be more uh, have more of a phenomenon than uh, than another area geographically?"
2: Oh man. Um, yeah. No, not really. You know, wherever. Here's the thing. Weird phenomena, and, and that, in, that includes the paranormal, uh, in, uh, requires humans. So if you've got an area without much population, there won't be many stories. These stories require people to propagate them, to share them, to talk about them, and to encounter them. I mean, if a UFO lands and no one sees it, did it make a sound, right? Mm. Um, same kind of thing. So the population areas, Boston, of course, Cape Cod, absolutely, uh, South, you know, Southeastern, Mass., definitely, you know, another hot spot, the, the Bridgewater Triangle, which, if, which comes up again and again, uh, which is someone, a, a term coined by Lauren Coleman, who noticed that there was an unusually high number of weird phenomena in this one area, about 200 and some odd square miles big of UFO sightings, Bigfoot sightings, uh, Hockamock Swamp, uh, cre- strange creatures, ghosts, cult activity, and even crime seem to be higher in this one area than in other areas yeah, that's one, Not of the that mo-
1: far away. one of the most interesting parts of your book, if I may, would be the, the, that Bridgewater Triangle area and the Hockamock Swamp. And it, it, you're right, it seems like a, a smorgasbord of paranormal activity from that one area. Has there ever been any kind of um, documented reason for any, any of that phenomenon?
2: Well, the Hockamock Swamp was a weird place going back millennia, um, the, the Wampanoag, like during the King Philip War, the, the, the Wampanoag would draw in colonial fighters into that area because they knew the swamp. And if anyone's never been out there, go. I mean, there's there's public trails and things like that where you can walk through the swamp and you get a sense that you, you can just imagine it's a dangerous place. In the summer, you can be eaten by the bugs, you know, and then once you fall down, who knows whatever else will, will clean your bones clean. In the wintertime, if you're walking and the ice is too thin, it could be two feet deep. It could be 10 feet deep. You, you could be in trouble either way. And so the, the Wampanoag always felt that this was a spiritual place, a powerful spiritual place. Uh, you know, people would go in and never be seen again. It, you know, the, the rationalist in me says, yeah, that's true. They would go in and they would get in, stuck in the mud and they would die and get eaten by animals and you'd never find any trace of them. Right. Um, and, and, and that's true. Or maybe it is a little more esoteric or spiritual or paranormal. Maybe something is abducting you in there. However. Whatever you're inclined to believe, but the reality is it's been a, a powerful place for a long time. It's the largest wetland in the region, and then we, we put 495 through there and, and Route 24, um, which is a problem. You know, a wetland is an important part of the environment. It, it's like a big sponge to soak up all that leftover rainwater and mm. keep it out of your basement and rivers and everything else. So it's it's always been, uh, you know, a bit of water, uh, often tied to paranormal activity for some strange reason. Right. People believe yeah, I mean, Je- you know,
1: it, it's just a theory. Jeff, we have a caller. Would you mind taking a, a question? Absolutely, I mind.
0: <laughs> Hello, Cole. You're on the air. What's your, uh, what's your name and what's your question, sir, or ma'am?
4: Yes, uh, this is Tom Selleck. You may remember me from Magnum, P.I. and several other made-for-TV movies. Oh, outstanding. What have you been Tom? up to lately, oh, Tom? Oh, nice mustache. Oh, oh, thank you, thank you. That, that pops on and off these days. No, actually, this is Carl Johnson. Hi, Carl. Uh, hi there. Carl, hi, how are hi you? Jeff, and all the gang there. Yeah, thank you for a most enthralling show and a, and a very interesting guest. My uh, question comment is about uh, these areas, concentrations of activities. I wonder if you feel they are resultant more from significant events that occur in these places, or is it something to do with magnetic fields that you know perhaps elude detection? Is it like what can be called ley lines? Why these areas? Why the Bridgewater Triangle? Why these specific concentrations of activity? What do you think about that?
2: I do have a theory on that. I think there's Ouija boards buried throughout there. <laughs>
4: <laughs> the yeah, only just... proper way to dispose of them, so somebody can no eventually way. dig them up. I like to drop them off at <laughs> elementary schools and, uh, Yeah. <laughs> wow, we have a jokester in there. I heard kids that. Love them. My favorite kids method love them. of disposing of Ouija boards is blowing them up with, you know, firecrackers. But uh, <laughs> people have their methods, bless them, bury them, whatever also i must say that uh i do have a friend who's a paranormal investigator so she doesn't often like to relate this account but she and several of her friends some years ago did encounter what seemed to be a sasquatch some uh, hairy humanoid creature uh in the blackstone valley region was actually in cumberland rhode island
2: yeah mike uh, had been drinking that
4: night (laughs) uh, oh no she's very convincing and the other people corroborate her story and uh uh, yeah. I, I have to believe her because she talked about the stench that was surrounding it, and she didn't even, they didn't even see the face, it didn't like shake their car, it was just there, you know, and uh, they reported it to the police, so that was documented, so uh, I have to give some credence to that, but where do these things go, do they, are they trans-dimensional, I mean, is, does it have to do with that area, because this, this section, Diamond Hill Road in Cumberland, is renowned for hauntings and strange activities. Well, there
1: was actually just a bear seen in that area just a couple of weeks ago, where there where there had never been
4: a black. It was a black bear or a brown bear, which is not it was, paranormal. It was a black bear. Black bear. And where did this bear go? In, into a wormhole. This <laughs> <laughs> I've, got this, I've got this. great new rug. You should see it. No, <laughs> bear is in another dimension. Oh, yeah, you accounted for it. Oh, gee. Yeah. yeah. Well, well I, I do. And getting back bear to Carl's question, it. I actually do have a
2: theory. Um, yes. Well, part of it is that you've got the you got the Freetown State Forest, the Hockamock Swamp. Yeah. You've got this this desolate area that's always been uh, you know, a mysterious place. I think there's a couple of things that happened. One, the Freetown State Forest, there were murders there, there was cult activity. If you were in the mob in anywhere between Boston and Providence, it's a great place to dump a body. You go back there far enough, no one's going to find it. That's where I dump all my bodies. Uh, <laughs> With and some so help from the, the puck wedgies there. Right, right. With, yeah, the puck wedgies will lead the way to the, the <laughs> burial grounds. And so you, what what happens is I think over time these things start to layer upon each other. And then... Uh, an area gets a reputation, and it's one of those things like you know you you, you see a pothole up ahead while you're driving, right. and and you know it's coming because you drive that way every day, and you go, I'm not going to hit it, I'm not going to hit it. Boom, you hit it.
4: Oh yeah, <laughs> you you're know what I mean. Led toward it,
2: I. Right, one. yeah, and it, and you just you're, you're focusing on on it, and you're thinking about it, and that starts to, uh, you know, it's it I think that like draws to like kind of thing, and so you yeah. you've got an area that's got a reputation. You know about it, and it grows. It grows on its own inertia at some right. point. And President, whether that's just a human thing
4: or you know, mystical thing, I leave it to each individual. So it becomes imbued with an effervescent life of its own. After a while, it becomes its own power source, you're saying, which, which I could believe. and I, I, I like what you uh, indicated about um, higher incidence of crime in, in these regions. You know, yeah, I mean, that's, that's know, the other thing. Seems, and there's, yeah. there's a prison there, of course. There's a hotspot um, for chaotic uh, psychic activity and uh, as well as paranormal manifestations. Who knows what? Yeah, else? right. But yeah. Well, and one may well, lead to the other.
1: We're, we're going to have to, to get
4: okay. to a break. Thanks,
1: Carl. Very much for the call and oh, for the question. Oh, it's
4: my pleasure. Thank you. thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Carl. We'll talk again soon. Thank, right, you. thank you.
1: Bye.
0: Jeff, you still there? I'm here. Oh, great. Right.
1: Because right, we, th- we thought we had another technical difficulty, but. Uh, We are going to have to go to a break, but when we get back, we're going to get uh, more into the uh, Weird Massachusetts and uh, tell you where to buy it, which is the most important part of the show.
2: (laughs) Great. Stay with us.
3: Located inside the Sheer Odyssey Beauty Salon at 311 Cass Avenue in Woonsocket, you can find Linda Baptista. Linda has been a beautician for over 40 years. 30 of those years were spent as the owner-operator of the former Linda's Beauty Salon. Linda specializes in perms, coloring, and styling. She also offers roller sets and blow drying. Whatever your hairstyling needs, you are welcome to sit in Linda's chair. You can expect a welcoming atmosphere and an overall pleasant styling experience. Old and new clientele are always welcome. Mercy Linda is available Wednesday through Saturday at 311 Cass Avenue in Winsocket. Call 762-2953 for an appointment. That's 762-2953. Linda looks forward to hearing from you.
1: Are you tired of eating frozen cakes from those big chain stores? Are you tired of seeing the same designs in your cakes year after year? Then you need to contact Original Occasions by Becky Boulay, so you can have an original cake for your original occasion. Becky specializes in creating unique cakes that are tailored for your specific event. Her cakes are freshly baked, never frozen, and her frosting has an incredibly sweet taste of its own. With over seven years of experience, Becky also creates chocolates and favors that will give your special event that one-of-a-kind touch. She also offers classes in cake decorating for both adults and children. To begin planning your original occasion or learning more about taking a class, contact Becky Boulay at 508-928-1228. That's 508-928-1228. Or email at originaloccasions at hotmail.com. Becky looks forward to making your next special event special and, most importantly, original.
0: Welcome back to The Darker Side with Mike and Jay. Before we go to the break, uh, well, for, actually for most of the show, we've been talking with uh, Jeff Belanger, who's our special guest uh, this evening. We're talking now about his uh, book, Weird Massachusetts. If you have a question or a comment, you can reach us at 766-1380, 769-0600, or 1-800-949-9674. Jeff, you still with us? I'm still with you. All right, we're in the home stretch here.
1: All right. Jeff, we, had a, we actually had part of the book in... in which we relate to because it was an event or occurrence that took place when we were children, is the killer clown uh, escapades of the early 1980s. I'm sure that you know of all the images in your book, Weird Massachusetts, one of the most strikingly odd and creepy is the one about the killer clown, which I had a nightmare after looking at. So thank you very much for doing that to me.
2: Yes, send in the clowns.
1: But uh, yes, would you, would you get into a little bit about the killer clown scare from the 1980s?
2: Yeah, it was uh, May of 1981, and uh, actually, the Boston um, the the police sent a memo to the school board, warning people that uh, here's the thing: uh, kids were saying that clowns were jumping out of vans and attempting to abduct them. And that's just
1: creepy, it, right there.
2: It, it, clowns are creepy yeah. right from the get-go. Right. Let's let, we can start at the beginning. You, know, you <laughs> see a clown, it's freaky. <laughs> I don't care who it is or in what context. It's freaky.
1: They have some you issues that, with themselves. That's that's why they uh, dress that
0: way.
2: They're hiding behind something. We just know.
0: had one die, as a matter of fact. We did. Michael Jackson. Oh, <laughs> oh. too soon, man. Oh, I'm sorry. Ouch. I had to. Yeah.
2: Ouch. Ouch. But uh, but yeah. So you, you've got you've got this distorted face already. You know, like this that that frightens I think more kids than it amuses. Um, so you've got these these clowns, and then uh, so, so they're they're frightening. And then these the stories emerge in 1981 that that they're attempting to abduct children. But here's the thing: there was never a victim. It's just, but report after report kept pouring in to the point where police are on the lookout. They're warning the school boards, tell kids, if you see a clown, run, which, I mean, we knew that. (laughs) We knew that anyway, right? (laughs) We already knew that. We didn't need a memo. Uh, And and so this went around Boston. But then there started to be a copycat effect going into other cities and other parts of the country. Everybody's on the lookout for clowns. More clowns. Like if you were like a legit clown that did you know kids parties and stuff, you know, you just weren't getting hired back in 1981. That summer it was a. And it
1: probably affected the sale of vans because I know for a fact that anytime you see a white van with no windows on the side, that's a child molester van, and everybody knows that everybody
2: knows that I mean you, you know you tell your kids don't go anywhere near the van you know but uh, of course no so, so this it was a phenomenon that just kind of gripped everything and this is the power of story I mean and, and who knows maybe there were attempted abductions and, and just a bunch of smart kids got away and, and knew better than oh gee get into a, clown full of, a van full of clowns or, uh, <laughs> or, or run for my life <laughs> you know that's, that's a pretty easy choice I think for even a dumb kid you know but, uh, but, but that's the funny thing it, there, was, there was no victims just stories
0: but really, are there any legitimate clowns? I mean, they try to befriend, you know befriend you and dazzle you with their uh, you know Mesmerized balloon animal sculpting you, yes. ability. But really, all they want is your soul. I think. Yeah. That, I
2: don't care. Balloon animal sculpting <laughs> is kind of impressive. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, that's, that's it's a still skill. Be- and it's still better than miming.
1: <laughs> it's a skill, but uh, you know, actually, that that brings me to one of the just getting back to the book, if I may, for a mo- moment. You're actually running a special—not to put a put you on the spot, but you're running a special. Uh, if you purchase a copy of Weird Massachusetts online and you pay an additional ten dollars, Jeff will personally come to your home and read excerpts from the book. Right? That's still going on. Yeah. Oh, that just ended. Did that just end? That—that
2: uh, that was, uh, yeah, free beer tomorrow. Right. Same and then, thing.
1: And then for an additional ten, you were going to perform the book in pantomime. No. Yeah. Is that that's, not a, uh, that's not going that on. That would
2: now. be the the, the hardest earned ten dollars ever. <laughs> 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 <Well>. <laughs>
1: And, uh, well, actually, just to plug your book, if I may, uh, you, can buy your, you can buy Weird Massachusetts online. You can buy it at Barnes & Noble. You can buy it just about anywhere. Matter of fact, you may or may not be aware, but at the Barnes & Noble in Bellingham, Massachusetts, yeah. uh, there is actually a, well, not only is the book on the shelf, but you can actually go and see a, a large poster of Weird Massachusetts, and it is situated right next to the men's lavatory. And that oh. is that is not a lie. Is there a lifelike sculpture of him as well, of in, in cheese? No, but you know what? That's the best advertising spot there is because you know you're on your way to the restroom. What are you thinking about? Reading material? That's nine right. times that's out of ten. Right. So there you no, go. No, and
2: that's that's where, like I said earlier, a lot of my readers have, have commented. Actually, the the books in the Bellingham store are usually signed because I get in there pretty regularly. And,
1: wow. Uh,
2: I'll sign whatever's in the in the store, and,
1: and, so, you, uh, and if, if you're
2: if you're one of those kinds of people that like autographs, there's probably one in there.
1: And you also give lectures about the book.
2: Yeah. I, well, I lecture about all kinds of subjects, but, um, you know, that's, that's been a popular one, uh, around here. I, if, if anyone goes to the, my website, if you go to ghostvillage.com, you can see where I'm lecturing. It's, um, you know, I, I do this all over the country, but, uh, especially around the fall, I'll, I'll do a lot of libraries and things like that, and, uh, in, in your listenership area, it's so much fun to get out and do that because, you know, you, you think these stories are great and, and then you, you talk about them in front of an audience and you can see what people respond to. And it's amazing when you talk about Weird Massachusetts, especially because so many hands go up and they're like, oh, have you ever heard about the monster of, you know, the whatever woods and, you know, and all these things that you would never even heard of, more stuff comes out. It's just, you realize we are in a very weird place. Actually. <laughs>
0: Uh, it's all over. One of the uh, one of the things I actually did want to ask you about um, in terms of when you do your lectures, um, because obviously Mike and I did have the uh, the, the amazing opportunity the, uh, to see uh, you the in pleasure, Bellingham. Absolutely. Yes, at the uh, Bellingham Library, uh, and and I must say that your uh, your presentation was outstanding. Terrific. Uh, Thanks. I do like how you in you know you definitely incorporate uh, humor into your into your presentations, which uh, which Mike and I enjoy. It's
1: greatly appreciated because so many people I think in this uh, in the paranormal field th- seem to not have much of a sense of humor, and, and but you obviously do.
2: I take the subject seriously, I don't take myself very seriously. And I think that's um that might be the distinction, is that you, you can have fun with it. I mean I'm not sure. And I think humor can be very disarming because especially like when I talk about the ghostly stuff in October, there are people I've seen many, uh, usually husband, but sometimes wife, dragged to this thing. And they're sitting there with their arms folded and looking at me with a scowl <laughs> like, oh, gosh, what is this fruitcake going to present to me? You know? And you, you tell a few jokes and you disarm people right away and say, hey, look, I, I don't know what's what, but, but just just listen. let me me tell you what i've learned so far and it's usually i I think people get intrigued and realize that hey there's a lot there's a whole big universe out there we don't understand how the whole thing works just yet um the, the strange bizarre paranormal phenomena has reports go back thousands of years as long as there have been people there's been weird stuff happening and we don't know we and and this human experience that we're all going through is incredible. There's so many twists and turns. Uh, we all make judgments based on our upbringing and beliefs, but but at the end of the day, we're all going to die one at some point. We're not 100% sure what comes next, and we don't know what's beyond the stars when we look up. But we don't know what's in those woods beyond the tree line that we can see, and all these reports come in, and the stories don't go away. Credible people, you know, in this modern age of enlightenment and internet and blackberries and CNN and Fox News and all that other stuff, and yet these reports still pour in from every corner, uh, and, and keep us intrigued about this, you know, blue planet that we still live on.
1: Jeff, we're, we're running short on time, but if you would, you also have a, a television show that's that's yep. new.
2: Yeah, we just started doing this. Um, it's called 30-Odd Minutes. It's been so much fun. You can check that out at 30oddminutes.com. You can watch all the archives. I think our, our fourth show, the one we just put out, is getting closer to the mark, few less technical di- difficulties, although still a few.
1: We know nothing um, about technical difficulties. in the Yeah, world.
2: right. No, but, you know, hey, it's, it's, we're learning as we go. But the whole idea is to, is to talk about the paranormal but have fun with it, you know, and, and talk about various aspects of it. You know, have guests from all over the world, um, you know, talking about the subjects they know best. And uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's, if you're in Bellingham, it's on Bellingham Mendon Cable 8. It's also streamed online live, and the archives are available for the whole world. Um, you know, for uh, forever for free. So it's it, we just want to have some fun with the subject and, and shed a little light on it, and we'll we'll try be, to bring it to we'll be, bring uh, uh, it around.
0: We'll be waiting for our uh, email uh, to be special guests on the show. So whenever you, uh, <laughs> whenever you want <laughs> hey, you know, to get back again,
2: when I when I run out, of everybody else. <laughs> just hey, work. that's awesome. No, I'm just that's a promise too, right? We're gonna hold you to that. <laughs> you guys are on the short list, definitely.
1: Terrific. Well, our guest today has been Jeff Bolandier, uh, author, world renowned author, lecturer. Uh, Ballroom dancer, bowler, all-around all good guy. Good guy. Uh, you can see all of Jeff's stuff at uh, www.ghostvillage.com. And Jeff, you can uh, you, can you buy your book through the site too? All of your books? Yep.
2: Yeah, you can buy them through Amazon or, or whatever. And. Um and yeah, and I appreciate the support, guys, and, and thanks for being at the lecture and being too shy to say hello. All right. Well, you know we, what we
1: we didn't want to we didn't want to encroach on the throng of fans that you had at the front <laughs> of the room. After we were really we were really intimidated by the women who were who were coming after you. So
2: yeah, what are you gonna do?
1: <laughs> well, sir, we uh,
0: we much appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your knowledge with us, and uh, we'll be in touch.
1: Sounds good, guys. Right, thank, thank you, Jeff.
0: Thanks a lot. Bye bye.
1: All right. Our Jeff, uh, our our Jeff, our guest was Jeff Belanger. Uh, obviously, an entertaining hour and. He's welcome back anytime. Uh, uh, our topic for next week is going to be? Yes, next week we're going to be talking about hidden symbols of America,
0: such as things on the dollar bill and uh, other, other uh, symbols that are hidden throughout the, uh, the United States and uh, on some of our most famous buildings.
1: It's going to be entertaining as per usual. So you can reach us anytime during the week at Mike at BlackstoneValleyParanormal.com.
0: That's right. So until <laughs> until next time, just remember, the truth exists. Believe it.